You're listening to an audio sermon from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Are you ready for the Word of God? Please stand to your feet and make this declaration with me. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, just follow on the overhead and make this declaration with us. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm a son of God revealed. I'm blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm a life-giving spirit. I accept his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection power in my life. I'm bound to his word and can do what it says I can do. I receive the word with meekness and I'm changed from glory to glory. I have the God kind of faith. I'm the righteousness of God and will never be the same. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. As you take your seat, turn to the person next to you, say to them, your smile looks better than the last time I saw you. Keep on smiling. I know you have a lot of things to be happy about. Amen. Maybe you're going through some challenges, but if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you've got a reason to rejoice. Amen. So I want to say welcome to Pastor Mark. What an honor and a privilege to have him here with us. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you so much, Pastor Bernard. Great to be here. In fact, to be here second weekend in a row. Uh, And Cora and I have been so overwhelmed last weekend with your love, your kindness, your hospitality. I think this is the best B&B in Pretoria. When I say B&B, it's Bernard and Belinda. Right, I want to get straight into the Word and... uh, This is probably the most controversial and provocative sermon title that I've ever used, putting women in their place. But I want to assure the ladies, you can relax, you can put the stones down, don't leave yet. I'll explain what I mean by putting women in their place. That expression, putting a woman in her place, means actually to put a woman down, to humiliate her. And I intend to do just the opposite, because I'm going to show you from God's Word, and especially from the New Testament, the glorious place that God gives to women. Now, if you thought that my sermon title was thorny, wait until you hear the message. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the most popular among some people, but Uh, I want to share with you. In fact, I'm going to teach more than preach. And I want to qualify this. Preaching is proclamation, but teaching is explanation. And you need more time. So please don't look at your watches. I don't preach by the clock. I teach by the calendar. And tomorrow is a public holiday. Right. I I do want to encourage you to take notes and uh, go over the message again later because it is recorded. So, in any case, I will not be able to deal extensively with such a broad topic in the time available. And ideally, I should have started this message by explaining some principles of interpreting the Bible. But I do not have enough time to do that. I might mention some of those principles because uh, a a big issue for us is how to interpret the Bible appropriately according to um, the, the way that God wants us to do it. So here is the issue. The place of women in society, in the church, in ministry, and especially in leadership has been and will probably always be a debatable one. I'm going to try and answer some questions, and I probably will raise some questions that I am not able to answer right now. But here's what I want to say. In every issue, it is important for us as believers to only be guided by God's Word. God's Word is our standard. We cannot be guided or led by any preconceived ideas, by human traditions, by customs, 
culture or prejudices? Say amen. Say aina. Say aish, because it's true. And um, we need to look at these things from God's perspective. Now, I want to say, as born-again believers, our minds should continually be transformed and renewed by God's Word. So, the question is this, what place does the new covenant in Christ, of Christ, give to women? I am going to, in my response, use some uh, supporting scriptures from the Old Testament. And here's the first thing that I want to say. Number one, God gave women a good place. Let's start from the very beginning. A very good place to start. Uh, when God made Adam and Eve. I'm going to recap something that I shared last weekend. In Genesis 1, when we read about God's creation, every time, in fact six times, when God made something, the Word declares that it was good. Just once God made something, and after He made it, He said this, it is not good. And that's in Genesis 2 and verse 18. And here's what God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I'll explain that. I know uh, I heard one lady that said, uh, God said, Adam wasn't good. Let me try again and I'll do better. That's not what it means here because I want you to understand this. God never makes anything that is bad or inferior. And God didn't suddenly say, ooh, I made a mistake, I, I messed up here. He was not finished with His creation. That's why He said it is not good. He didn't suddenly discover that there's something amiss in His creation. His plan was not finished. It was not complete. And these words were recorded for Adam's sake and for our sake as men to show man that is no good without women. In fact, a man is incomplete until he's married. And after that, he's finished. <laughs> so only when God created male and female, we read these words in Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. So God declares that man and woman were part of His good creation. Let me add one more scripture before I move on to uh, the next uh, principle that I want to share. In Proverbs 18 and verse 22, we get Solomon's wisdom, and he says, uh, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now, some English Bible translations say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. The word thing is not in the original Hebrew text because woman is not a thing. She's just good. But God gave woman a good place. Second important thing to, to recognize, God gave woman a place of equality. You know, we think that equality is a modern buzzword. I, I want you to, to recognize that it's found in the Bible right from the beginning. When God made the declaration about the creation of women, He used specific words. Let me read Genesis 2, 18 again. And I'm going to quote it from different uh, translations. But let me start with, um, with the King James Version, uh, somewhat archaic language. And listen what it says. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now, let me just start with, if you can look at that verse, you will notice um, that the, the language of the King James Version is a bit outmoded because uh, all words... Uh, requiring an H, or, or starting with an H and requiring the indefinite article, 
were accompanied with an. In modern times, only a few words where the H is silent, like honest or hourly or um, uh, honest, heiress, heir, etc., etc. They take the definite article and. So today we don't say an help, we say a help. Okay, just to show you that the King James Version was written more than four centuries ago. Now, there's another relic of the King James translation that I want to show you, and it's the evolvement of a new noun. In fact, it was new then, but it's now considered old. Look at that, that scripture again. Do you see the words, help meet? Now, I specifically broke the lines after help. Because here's how we should read it. I will make him a help meet for him. But then through the years, those two words were combined and it became help meet. Then it became help mate. And that's the word that actually, uh, it should mean companion referring to the wife. But for some, the meaning of those words may have tilted towards subservience and inferiority. So, let's look at, at, at those two words used in Genesis 2.18. The word meet literally means in front of, facing, before. And as it is used here, it actually means I'm going to make someone who is according to what is in front of your own face. In other words, corresponding to, parallel to, uh, correlating with, comparable, similar. And uh, it speaks of a suitable counterpart equivalent in character. And you can go and read it in, in different translations. Listen to this. The New King James says, a helper comparable to him. The ESV, a helper fit for him. The NET, a helper who is just right for him. The NIV, a helper suitable for him. The NET, uh, a companion who corresponds to him. So go and look at those scriptures and see that God gave women a place of equality. I need to focus also on the word help. And this is what I want you to, to realize. When you go and research this, this word help should actually be helper. Uh, and that's how it's translated in modern translations. The Hebrew word appears 21 times in the Old Testament. Twice in Genesis concerning the creation of uh, women, and then 16 out of the other 19 times, it is used about God. So God is our helper. Now, I want to say this immediately. It's very clear that woman was not created to be man's servant. She was created because man needed help and strength. So when you read helper, don't read man's PA, my personal assistant. Rather read my strengthening co-worker. That's the way we, we should read it. And we should not see the role of women as inferior or servile because the word is used concerning God, and God is not inferior at all. So men realize you need help. And God made you a strong helper. Now, other translations of Genesis 2.18 speak about helper in this way, a suitable companion uh, in the GNT, in the CEV, a suitable partner for him. Right. Now, I need to go back in Genesis 1 because I want to read God's, let me call it his declaration of his creative purpose. And I'm going to emphasize certain words as I read this. Just listen to it. Genesis 1 from verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Is that emphasized enough? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then uh, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. So here's what I glean from the scripture. Firstly, both male and female were created in God's image. Secondly, both male and female were blessed by God. Thirdly, both male and female were given dominion by God. That's what it says. Go and read it. So man and woman were both given authority over the fish, the birds, the cattle, over all the earth, and even over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Ladies, here's a good uh, uh, truth that you can find in that scripture about creeping things. God gave you authority over creeps. Amen. Right, so God gave women a place of equality. Thirdly, God gave women a place of value. Now, let me start by saying we all recognize that God placed certain structures of authority in the earth, in society, and it speaks about the fact that we need to submit to uh, civil government. It speaks about the church. There are uh, uh, roles of authority in the church, and there are roles of authority in the family, in the marriage situation. But I need to say this. Your standing in these structures does not determine your value. Your function does not determine your worth. Let me take the family as an authority structure as an example. A child is in a position of dependence, and the Bible teaches that that child should obey, should be in submission to his or her parents. However, that child is as valuable to God as an adult. Amen. In the same sense, a regular member of a church is not inferior to the pastor in God's eyes. God is not going to hear the pastor's prayer quicker than what he's going to do with yours. Because you have the same value. So, um, uh, I can continue on this. An evangelist is not worth less than an apostle. We sometimes try and rank people according to their function. So in society too, and this may shock you, but I want to put it this way. God does not love the president more than the prostitute or the pauper. Because God values every single person in the same way, and we should not discriminate at all. Now, let me come back to women. Concerning women, as we saw, they've been created by God with equal value, dignity, and status in the image of God. Of God. Now, let me get to the, the New Testament, because when Jesus came with a new covenant, He came to remove improper distinctions. He came to remove discrepancy that prideful people introduced. Listen to this uh, scripture, and before I, I, I read it, you will see very clearly that Jesus came to emancipate women. Maybe I should say, emancipate women. But listen to Galatians 3 and verse 28 from the message paraphrase. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew. That's racial discrimination. There could be no division between slave and free. That's social discrimination. There could be no division between male and female. That's gender prejudice. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me be clear about this. We do recognize gender distinctions. We do recognize the roles that God has given to man and woman, but there's no distinction concerning value in the body of Christ. We all have the same worth. Here's another scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, 11 and 12. It says, among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. 
For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. So let me say this. If there's anyone that is superior in relationships, it's God, because everything comes from Him. But we are interdependent, and God is the one that, to whom all of us should submit. Do yourself a favor. If you read about submission in the Bible, and especially submission in these authority structures, see this, that all our relationships should be defined by Christ. Colossians 3, 18, 19. Wives, submit to your husbands. But listen to this. As is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Ephesians 5, 22, 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. Just look at that scripture because some husbands use this text as a justification to establish a divine dictatorship. <laughs> Jesus was never a totalitarian tyrant. He was and is a loving Lord. Amen. And that's how husbands should see this whole submission thing. Now, just, just by the way, we just read Ephesians 5, 22 and, and 23. But here's an important principle of Bible interpretation. You need to see a text in context. And domineering husbands need to, when they read verse 22 of, of Ephesians 5, accidentally, please read verse 21 before you read verse 22. Because here's what verse 21 says, submitting to one another <laughs> in the fear of the Lord. That's God's pattern. So if you don't understand and practice the principles of godly submission, you cannot exercise divine authority. Someone put it this way, and let me, let me speak to the, the husbands here. If serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. Jesus is the one who came and taught servant leadership, not dictator leadership. So husbands, helping in the home should not be below you. Ooh. I'm so glad to see that this church at least has grasped the truth that a man should make coffee. Hebrews. I see it there. But ladies, you're going to love this. I don't have the, the, the scripture on the screen, but for a small fee, I'll give you that scripture afterwards. Because I want to show you that it's also scriptural for a man to wash the dishes. But you have to use the right translation, and this time the King James is appropriate. Here's what it says. If you're quick to write this down, you can get it without having to pay anything. Second Kings 21 and verse 13 from the King James Version, God speaks and He says, I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish. So let me just say this, God gives value to everyone in his creation, and he paid, Jesus paid a precious price for each person, male or female. Let me move on because uh, I have still a lot to share. Here's the fourth thing that I want to speak about, the place that God uh, gave women. God gave women a place to speak. He gave women a voice, and it seems like People in general accept that women can have something to say except in the church. 
In my opinion, this is due to wrong interpretation of scriptures used to substantiate that women should keep quiet in church. And let me start by reading two scriptures that seem to support this. 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Here's a, another stronger-sounding scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 13, and I'm going to explain these scriptures. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. Now, here's one of the principles of Bible interpretation that I wish I could spend more time in explaining, but it's simply this. Scripture should explain Scripture. You cannot take one text out of context. You have to look at the whole uh, picture. And, and therefore, we need to compare Scriptures and look for, for the light that we can receive. Now, when trying to interpret and understanding these two Scriptures that I mentioned, we need to consider the following. And here's the first important thing. We need to discern whether Paul is talking about women in general or specifically about wives. I cannot but emphasize how important this is. Because what we need to understand is that we, we need to ascertain what the original language says. Now, Greek, the New Testament original language, unlike English, does not have two words for man and husband. There's only one word. Greek does not have two words for woman or wife. There's only one word. So, the onus is on us to look at the context how these words are used in Scripture, and then ask ourselves specifically about these Scriptures I mentioned, whether Paul is speaking of women in general or whether he's speaking specifically of wives. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, very easy. Look at verse 35. It says, let them ask their own husbands at home. So he's not talking about women in general. He's talking about the marriage relationship. Can you see that? They need to ask their, their husbands at home. Even 1 Timothy 2 refers to wives but because Paul speaks about Adam and Eve as the first husband and wife, uh, use an example. Second thing, Paul is talking about submission in the context of the marriage relationship. Listen to me. In marriage, in the home, the Bible says the husband is the head of the wife. In church, Christ is the head of the body of all believers. Therefore, in the natural domestic situation, the husband is the head of the wife, but Jesus is the head of all believers. Now, I want to quote Kenneth Hagin, and if you ever get this book, uh, it's called The Woman Question. He makes a very clear statement, and he says this, A man may be the head of one woman, his wife, but he's not the head of every woman. So let me read 1 Corinthians 14 again. Look at verse 34. They, speaking about the wives, are to be submissive, as the law also says. And go and see what the law says. It's talking about the marriage relationship. 1 Timothy 2.11, let the woman or the wife learn in silence with all submission. And again, speaking about the marriage situation. Another thing that we need to understand about Paul and what he's saying here, he's talking about learning something. He's talking about asking questions. 
He's not referring to ministering in general. Look at those scriptures, 1 Corinthians 14, 35. If they, speaking about wives, want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands. 1 Timothy 2, 11, let a woman or a wife learn in silence. So you see, when you interpret the Bible, you always need to look at the cultural, historical situation before you apply it in general to modern times. In the situation of this time, we need to understand that women did not have a proper place in the synagogue. Men had all the privileges. They could ask questions. They could debate. Women had to be silent. What happened when the emancipation came, uh, there were some women who took the opportunity and they were interrupting the service. Remember we read about how Paul says, avoid confusion in your gatherings? That was the issue. And here's what he's saying. Women, don't ask questions in the gathering. Rather, leave it for where you, where, where you can ask your husband at home. And that is why he says women must keep silent. It's not a general statement. Here's the next thing. Next thing. Paul is not talking about absolute silence, but rather quietness. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 14, 34, let your women, wives, keep silent. Now, as I previously stated, Paul is talking about learning, asking questions, avoiding disorder or confusion in the church. He does not demand silence. If he demanded total silence, he's contradicting what he has written in other places. And let me start uh, uh, by saying this. In the same letter that he writes to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 11:5, he says that a woman can pray. He's not just talking about praying in private. Go and read that passage in its context, and you'll see he's speaking about a public gathering. That's 1 Corinthians 11.5. Then women may prophesy. Uh, same verse, 1 Corinthians 11.5. Every woman who prays or who prophesies. Now, I want to say this. You can still pray in private, but you don't prophesy in private. When you pray, you speak to God. When you prophesy, you speak for God to others. And he says that women can prophesy in a public gathering. Go and read Acts 2, 17 and 18, where it speaks about the Holy Spirit being poured out. And you see that, that Job prophesied that God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And he specifically says, men servants and maid servants. He specifically says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Acts 21, 9, Philip the evangelist had daughters who prophesied. Next thing, women may speak in tongues. Go and read Acts 1, verse 14, and you'll see uh, who was present on, 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 on that day. And, and in chapter 2, the first couple of verses, and there were women in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And then lastly, women may teach. I think this is a passage that is worth studying, and that's Acts 18. Let me give you the, the background of it. It tells us about Apollos, a new convert, but one, and I think if you ever want to give somebody a good CV in the Bible, it's Apollos. It says he was, uh, he was bold, he preached without fear, he knew the Scriptures, and he was a great communicator. Despite all of that, go and read Acts, and you'll see that a husband and wife team, Priscilla and Aquila, and incidentally, whenever these two are mentioned, Priscilla is mentioned first. Priscilla and Aquila actually takes this great teacher, Apollos, and they teach him. Women can teach. I know some people say women can only teach women. No, here the Bible says that Priscilla actually taught Apollos. Amen. 
Titus 2, 3 and 4 speaks about women teaching other women. Now, let me just, just say this. I wish I had the time to go through history. Let me just mention a few names in modern history. If you want to do yourself a favor, go and get the book of Henrietta C. Mears what the Bible is all about. A brilliant teacher that worked with Dwight L. Moody. I, I, I think she stands out uh, as, as a teacher. Uh, Pentecostal pioneers who preached. Maria Woodworth Etta, Amy Sample McPherson. Go and read about their history. Even closer to modern times, uh, somebody who's still alive today, Joyce Meyer. A brilliant teacher. Now, here's what you will hear Joyce Meyer say again and again. I am in submission to my husband David in the home. But he allowed her to uh, use her gift and to be used of God in that way. So, let me read 1 Timothy 2.11 again, and let's read it in the context of, of wives. Let a woman or a wife learn in silence, that's the quietness, with all submission. And I do not permit a woman or a wife to teach or to have authority over a man or a husband to be, uh, to be in silence. Now, that phrase, in silence, in the Greek means quietness, tranquility, arising from within, causing no disturbance to others, and being peaceable. It's not absolute silence. And the same word is used in verse 2 of the, of the same chapter and in 1 Peter 3 and verse 4, uh, where it speaks about a quiet demeanor or stillness of spirit. Lastly, Paul, in these two verse, uh, scriptures in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy 2, is talking about wives usurping authority over their husbands. If you read 1 Timothy 2.12 again, I have inserted the word usurp because here's something that is very interesting. Uh, Paul could have chosen one or more of, uh, uh, of about 50 Greek generic words for authority, but he chose a specific word here. It's the only time that this verb is used in the New Testament. It's not your ordinary uh, having authority. Exousiaso is the, is the Greek word there. But it's the word authenteo. And it literally means to seize or to claim authority, to dictate to, to issue commands, to lord it over. So it means to exercise authority on your own accord, to domineer, to usurp authority. So he's speaking about wives who actually illegitimately control their husbands. That's what he's speaking about in, in uh, context here. There's a very interesting translation, the Charles B. Williams translation, and it says this, I do not permit a married woman to practice teaching or domineering over a husband. In any case, God gave women a proper place uh, and a platform to speak. Lastly, number five, God gave women a place in ministry. Go read Ephesians 4, and you'll find that every believer has a ministry, not just the professionals. <laughs> You all have a ministry. And here's what the enemy has managed to do. He managed to neutralize the largest part of believers in ministry, women. They have a ministry. And you know what? The whole issue of, of, of ministry, and, and I want to add even fivefold ministry, hinges on the fact where the woman could speak in church, and that we, we've already established. If you cannot speak, you cannot minister. Here's the beauty again of Jesus. He entrusted the preaching of his resurrection message first to women. Women have a valid ministry. Now, if you go and read the Old Covenant, and, and again, my time has run out, but go and read about these prophetesses under the Old Covenant, uh, Miriam, Deborah, uh, who incidentally was also a ruler or a judge in our modern times, maybe prime minister. 
Hilda, Isaiah's wife, Mrs. Isaiah. You don't know what her name was. And then Noadia, and then lastly Anna. Now Anna is mentioned in Luke chapter 2, but it's still Old Covenant because the New Covenant was only ratified through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to say this. If there could be prophetesses under the Old Covenant, then there must be prophetesses under the New Covenant. Hebrews 8, 6 says, we have a better covenant based on better promises and not just better for men, better for everyone. So there's a place for women to stand in that office in, uh, in the New Covenant. Go and, and, and see what Paul speaks about when he mentions his co-workers uh, in ministry uh, spreading the gospel, and you'll see uh, at, at least 15 names there. I'm not going to read all of them. You can go and look them up, especially in Romans 16. You'll find so many of them. But I need to conclude. I think it was Reinhard Bonker who said this. If you are drowning and somebody throws you a lifeline, you're not going to ask, is there a woman or a man at the other end of that lifeline? You're going to grab that. You see, sometimes we miss out on the blessings of God because of our own prejudices. And I want to say this. I believe that Paul did not write these passages to discourage women in ministry, but he exhorted them to do it with propriety and with dignity and, and, and uh, recognizing their proper place in the marriage relationship. So, God put women in their proper place. Amen. Wish I could say more about this, but let's stand. As I said in the beginning, go and, um, go and read these scriptures. Go and listen to this message again. And do it with an open mind. Allow God's Word to renew your mind. And I want to encourage women especially, make sure that you are in the right role in the marriage relationship. But also make sure that you do not allow the prejudices of other people to prevent you from fulfilling your ministry. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand things. Things that were written so many hundreds of years ago. Things that were written in another language. Things that, that were written in, on another continent. In another cultural historical situation. But help us to glean what you are trying to say to us in our modern times. Help us not to be a barrier. Help us not to stand in the way of those whom you have called. Thank you, Father, for just releasing your ministers in this earth for liberating women so that they can speak the word of God with the authority that you gave them and we thank you father that we'll never do anything out of pride that we'll never do anything just because we want to prove a point but we do it because we want to follow you. And we pray that Jesus will be glorified. And Father, if there's anyone that needs true liberation from a lifestyle of sin and bondage, we thank you that as they now 
allow Jesus to come into their heart and invite him to come and be the superior one, the Lord, the Savior, the King of their lives. Thank you that you change them from the inside out, that you give them new life, that they can believe with their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus died for them, was raised, and that he gave them the gift of eternal life so that they can live forever. We thank you for that in his name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Pastor Mark. That's... Uh, I know you need more time. Amen. Pastor Mark mentioned the scripture, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate sin. Oftentimes men, when their wives want to say what you are doing is not right, as we submit to God, we have to submit to the word of God as well. We must be very careful because the fear of God is to hate sin. And if somebody is speaking by the Spirit of God and you say it's not the Spirit of God, you can be in serious trouble as a man. So I want to pray for both men and women. I'm not going to call you to the front, but men, Paul prayed with women. So obviously they didn't have a problem with him. I've had many women give me advice by the Spirit of God that has been valuable more than the counsel that men have given from their minds, their traditions. Job said, it's the Spirit of God who's made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's applicable to men and women. Both men and women, it's the greatest product of the Holy Spirit. We worship God in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. So I want to pray for men. I want to pray for women. Women that's been abused, that's been pushed down, especially in, in our country. This is why I've asked Pastor Mark to come and teach on this. Because we as men, we have to renew our minds as much as women have to renew their minds to know who they are. Amen. Many women sit with that revelation on the inside, but they're too scared to say anything because they might be belittled or pushed down. Can I ask the men, will you speak up? Can I have one amen? She's as much a daughter of God as when you're a son of God. Amen? I didn't say it in the beginning for the specific reason because I just wanted you to listen to the word. Pastor Mark was the head of the Bible school at Rhema Church for more than 20 years. He ministers all over the world. It's one of the very few people I would ask to minister on a topic like this because I know you would just bring the Word of God. We're going to start a Bible school here with his material to help people, to liberate people. Amen. Are you ready for that? So by the grace of God, we'll see a bit more of him. So when you look at somebody, Jesus taught us, look at the heart. That's what it's all about. Amen. So, men, we need to be liberated. Women need to be liberated. We need women like they need us. Amen? I'm grateful my wife just has to submit to me, not everybody. Amen? But that submission is a gift. Amen? And it's more about working together. Are you walking with Jesus every day? I want to submit. I have to submit to God. No. You're walking in agreement with God. Because you know his will, you know his plans, you know his purpose for you. But I have to now submit to God again. Amen. Raise your hands to heaven. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, every false burden, false accusation, words that have been spoken that has caused damage that's not in line with your word, 
We want to break it off men. We want to break it off your daughters, O Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. As you promised and prophesied and did, O Lord, allowing your spirit to be poured out on sons and daughters to prophesy. Thank you, Lord, that you lift up every person's spirit, that you give them strength in their inner man. In Jesus' mighty name. Let your blood speak for women, O Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Let your blood speak for men. We ask, Lord, for forgiveness. Whereas men, we've said stupid things, O Lord, out of insecurities, out of religion, out of tradition. Cleanse us, O Lord. Forgive us, O Lord. Let your righteousness speak for us in Jesus' mighty name. Let your righteousness speak for every woman of God that you've called with a purpose, O Lord. Help us as men to help women find their rightful place, O Father. To be the daughters of God, to be the prophets, to be the ministers, to be a voice, O Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Let your blood speak. Let your mercy speak. Let your favor speak, O Lord. Cover us with your grace. Cover us with your mercy. Cover us with your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. No change will come if the change is not from the inside. So I want every person to put your right hand on your heart. Raise your other hand to heaven and pray this prayer aloud after me. Say, Precious Father, my situation is beyond human means. I need the Savior of the world to save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness as you forgive all my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died for me, that he's alive right now, making intercession for all my weaknesses. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to live a holy life well-pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to say if you've prayed that prayer in humility and sincerity of heart, your sins are forgiven. Don't talk about your past anymore. Your past is over. You are linked up to your good future now. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't talk about your past. Your past is over. Jesus will not consult your past in determining your good future. Amen. He knows the plans that he has towards you. Plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Amen. If I can give you some advice. If you've prayed that prayer and you're from around here, we have to take responsibility for you to disciple you and to train you in the things of the Lord. If you're from far, go find a living church, get involved in that church and serve there like never before. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.